Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the third season of SpongeBob SquarePants, but this is another episode of Video Bob Game Pants. If you remember that theme song, which only shows up anytime we're talking about a SpongeBob SquarePants related video game, then then you know what you're in for. I do want to give a shout out to Kristen Vasquez, who composed that rendition of the SpongeBob SquarePants theme in 8-bit that they were wonderful enough to let me use for any episodes about the SpongeBob SquarePants video game. So I really appreciate Kristen letting me use that little ditty out. So uh, in the description of this episode, you can check out the links for both Kristen's YouTube channel, but also a link directly to the song used so you can listen to it at your leisure. Um, just so you know, during the third season of SpongeBob SquarePants is when the merchandising craze for the Yellow Sponge really ramped up to an entirely new level. This is where SpongeBob went from just a normal cartoon on television to being a worldwide phenomenon. This is just the merchandising boom took over and you couldn't escape seeing SpongeBob on store shelves across the country, across the continent, across the world. And this is where also the production of video games featuring SpongeBob SquarePants really started amping up. So before we get into today's video game, I do want to talk about how the episodes are going to be moving forward because we are revving up to the end of the third season here of SpongeBob. And at the end of the third season, we then move on to the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, which also has its own video game. And you got to think in between that, we also have games like Revenge of the Flying Dutchman and Battle for Bikini Bottom. Pretty, pretty massive games in their own right. So for the next few episodes, we're pretty much going to have... Every other two episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants, I'll have a Video Bob Game Pants episode about that corresponding video game. Uh, for today's video game, Employee of the Month, this was going to be the first one that I was going to actually get my entire footage of, of me playing it. But unfortunately, running this game on Windows 10, the game runs perfectly. But the only issue is that the black textures of SpongeBob's, you know, belt... And his eye pupils, or the pupils literally for any of the other characters, are just transparent. And I've looked up a few fixes, and, and I've tried one or two things, but unfortunately I just can't get those pupils to fill in. Otherwise, the game looks great, runs great, and I, I would love to get footage, but I'm, I'm kind of a perfectionist with these types of things. So, um, in the meantime, I'm going to get footage of uh, some of the video games I've missed thus far, Nicktoons Racing... Um, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, Legend of the Lost Spatula, Super Sponge. Uh, I want to go through the back catalog, get those uh, long plays up on the channel. And as far as live streams are concerned, uh, they will be happening once I move in a few months and I'm in a position to actually set up live streaming in a better capacity. In my current setup now, I, I certainly could live stream, but for certain games like Battle for Bikini Bottom, that's just going to be an entirely, you know, different level of a hassle that I just don't want to deal with right now. Um, I mean, once I'm live streaming and I'm with you guys once a week and, and I can just, you know, play through these games, I'm going to go back through and, and play through any of the games I've missed and that I haven't had any footage of thus far. If you know of that issue an employee of the month that could fix the pupils and any of the black textures, uh, certainly reach out to me, spongepodpodcast at gmail.com. I would really appreciate that because I want to get footage of this game. It's actually an extremely easy yet charming SpongeBob SquarePants video game that we have here. Employee of the Month was first released on September 22nd, 2002. 
And I should have probably reviewed this game a few episodes ago as we're dealing with episodes that released in 2003 and in 2004. Uh, but unfortunately, I have never played this game before. And the fact that it was a point-and-click game, just uh, not that it gave me a level of anxiety, but the fact that I had never played it before and it was then more of a, of a force because of the show. Like, well, I have to play this game. That right there gave me a little bit of anxiety. So I, I held off until I could, you know, have some time set aside to properly play the game. And and I don't know what I was worried about. Um, I've seen footage of this game before, but, but at the end of the day, like I said, it's a very easy point-and-click adventure game. Uh, so SpongeBob SquarePants, Employee of the Month, as I mentioned, first released on September 22nd, 2002. It was developed by AWE Games who I believe also developed Operation Krabby Patty, which we've we've covered on the show already, and was published by THQ. Man, I love seeing that logo with the rest of the Nicktoons characters. It's it's just so perfect. That THQ brand and the, and the Nickelodeon brand are synonymous in, in my world together because I'm, almost all of the Nickelodeon games I've played in my life were released through THQ. As already mentioned, this game is a point-and-click adventure game. That's made for kids, so very light puzzles, and at the end of the day, it's more of a fetch quest, find an item that some other character needs to then get an item that another character needs kind of game. And you know what? That might sound like a negative, but those kind of experiences, those kind of playthroughs can be very calming and very easy uh, for me, who also, on the other side of gaming, plays a lot of intense and, and heavy shooters, and then it's nice to just kind of mellow out and play a point-and-click adventure game like this. I have a lot of experience in my life with point-and-click adventure games asterisks on that because the um, experience I have as a child was all with the Humongous Entertainment set of point-and-click adventure games. Your Putt-Putts, your Freddy Fishes, Pajama Sam, Spy Fox, these classic characters from Humongous Entertainment, which I absolutely adore. I, I had a decent amount of those games as a kid. I didn't really have a computer that was powerful enough to play other PC games that some of my other friends had, but point-and-click games always ran fantastically on our home computer. And we were also um, not not the most well-off family in the world. Um, I certainly had more games than, than other friends of mine who maybe would only receive video games for their birthdays or Christmas. I was at least in a position where maybe once every few months, if I you know kept my behavior up, my mom would surprise me with a video game, which more or less would probably be a PC game because those were usually cheaper than the console games for the systems I owned. Uh, normally, my mom might see a SpongeBob game in a clearance bin and then pick that up for me, which is how I came across Operation Krabby Patty as a kid, which I played uh, so much, and I have such a, a love for that game. I know it's not everybody's favorite SpongeBob game, uh, but it has a special place in my heart, along with those animations of that game, which I know are infamous if you have ever seen them in the SpongeBob community, those very early Operation Krabby Patty animations. But I, I really adore them, and they're they're in full force here uh, in this in this video game. As mentioned, this is made by the same creators as Operation Krabby Patty. So there is a bit of a feeling that is similar between the two, especially when it comes to those cutscenes. But as far as the gameplay is concerned, uh, the, these two games are, are night and day. Uh, when it comes to the easiness of this game, it is very much aiming low for a very young mindset. 
Um, I even mentioning the humongous entertainment games, I felt that those at least had stumped me a bit more with some of their puzzles than what was found here in Employee of the Month. But I, I don't want to make that sound like a negative because at the end of the day, if there was a young kid who wanted to try a point and click adventure game, this is something that I would point to them and point and click. This is something that I would point to and say, hey, look, try this one. This this will give you an idea of what you will find with the rest of the genre. Now, it's not hold your hand kind of easy, but I will say this. If you play this game completely blind going into it, as long as you talk to every character and you click on every clickable object, you will beat the game. And it honestly isn't that long of a time. I set aside a couple hours, not really sure what the time frame was going to be. I looked up, you know, what was the average play time for long plays, but I don't know the kind of time I'm going to I'm going to have. I might, you know, spend so much of my time trying to find all of the clickable objects in the backgrounds of each scene and uh t to my surprise there really weren't many. Uh but yeah, it took about 2 hours from beginning to end to beat this and it was just a fairly easy, fun little experience. As far as some of the notes I wrote here, about my experience, uh, which I think it's going to be surprising to some of you with some of the uh, some of the stuff that goes on in this game. Now, before I go on to all the positives I have about this experience, I do want to start out with a big negative, and it's a negative that also has an asterisk because I believe there's a bit of an understanding to find here. I had mentioned playing the humongous entertainment games earlier, the Pajama Sams, the, the Freddy Fishes, the Putt-Putts, and by the way, if you've never played those games, I believe... Uh, a few of them have been re-released on Switch on the eShop. I can't recommend the first two Pajama Sam games enough. I know that those are both on Switch. Download those games. They are fun experiences. The third one is also good. I just didn't play that until later on in life, so it, it didn't have that nostalgic factor with me. But what's great about those games is in every single scene that your character stops at, there are a multitude of clickable objects and little funny non sequiturs that happen in the backgrounds. And unfortunately, when it comes to Employee of the Month, that level of creativity is not here, is not evident. But at the same time, the level of work that went into reference SpongeBob to make references to other episodes in both writing and in design of the sets is is something to remark over and there are clickable things in the backgrounds i'm not saying that there's none but to compare the two it's like night and day and in some cases there's some gags here that were repeated from level to level there were a few moments where you could click on an item and uh, an eye stock would come out, a big green eye stock with a single eye. And it happened two or three times throughout the game in like different spots. They just reused the same kind of gag. And, and I don't know, that was kind of upsetting to me. But I, I came from the experts there in the field of, of children's point-and-click adventures. So I uh, comparing the two, like I said, night and day. The understanding part that I had mentioned is that this is a licensed game. They could have been under a specific amount of time to get this game done, to get it printed and shipped out to stores, and they could have only had that amount of time to get what they got done. And if that's the case, which I honestly would bet on, um, this is fine. This is a completely fine experience. I bring up that negative just from personal experience with children's point-and-click games from my own. But it, like I said, if you've never played those old ones, play them. And even if you want to try this one out, I do think this is worth the experience of finding and downloading an ISO copy of Employee of the Month since there aren't any other legal means to purchase this since it's out of print and whatnot. Uh, beyond that, 
I really love the gag that they went through in this game. A little bit of a spoiler here for you, but one of the first spots that you land in is the Krusty Krab. And one of the first characters you run in at the Krusty Krab is a very angry customer who is still waiting for his meal. So the light bulb should kind of go off in your head that if you're playing Spongebob, you should obviously get this customer his Krabby Patty. And that's one of the first fetch quests in the Krusty Krab. Finding a plate, cleaning the plate, finding the Krabby Patty ingredients separately, and then putting it all together, giving it to this customer. Um, what's great is that this one customer then appears in every single level and is only referred to as familiar customer, but then ignores the fact that he has met SpongeBob a multitude of times, only until, spoiler warning, at the end you find out that it's literally like all of these guys are all brothers, and it, it, it is all different fish. It's not the same guy just messing with you in different levels. Uh, that kind of effort here I can appreciate, and it, it did get a chuckle out of me. Uh, Employee of the Month, the plot of the game, is about SpongeBob winning Employee of the Month, and Mr. Krabs gifting him two tickets to an amusement park that is based around um, uh, King Neptune. Neptune's Pacific Paradise. Which, for, for a note here, SpongeBob initially won Employee of the Month in the beginning of the game, and because he has won it so many times, Mr. Krabs then gifts him the Employee of the Year alongside these two tickets. So, once SpongeBob has the tickets in hand, his next goal is to find out where Neptune's Pacific Paradise is. And that's where the fetch quest uh, begins, starting with this customer, getting him his food before making your way to other points of Bikini Bottom. Uh, if you go to the back of the Krusty Krab, you can open up SpongeBob's cabinet, which features a multitude of references to the show, like the Nasty Patty just being in there, references to other video games, like a pair of golden spatulas, also hanging about, which is also a reference to the show, but I like to say that it's a reference to the other video games. An autographed picture of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, a framed photo of Squidward, or one that looks like a postage stamp, and then he has a pinup of Sandy in her bikini, which I, I don't know. I, I think that's that's funny. I don't know why it's there. I don't know why he has it. It, it kind of it seems out of place, but at the same time, it doesn't. Um, now, according to the game, when you click on the Nasty Patty, the events of this game take place mere weeks after the incident of the uh, the Nasty Patty that occurred at the Krusty Krab. Um, when, uh, when you click on the window here in the Krusty Krab, you also get a little bit of Squidward's model coming into frame at the window. Uh, one of the moments that I just I did not expect and actually made me audibly laugh seeing his his uh, model there, like the nose flapping around in the window as he was talking. And once you're done through the Krusty Krab, you can also make your way through downtown Bikini Bottom, Goo Lagoon. You can head over to Grandma Squarepants' house and then also end up at the Bargain Mart, which we get one of our like very few mini games that break up the fetch questing, which is cleaning the uh, car of the employee of the Bargain Mart. Your cursor turns into SpongeBob and you got to clean off the car. It's something that you would you would imagine seeing in like a touchscreen based kind of game and it was nice to break up the monotony of the fetch quest and I wish there were more moments like this in the game even if it was something silly like cleaning off a car. I, I wish there were more of those per level. Um, but once you get to the bargain mart, what happens is easily the greatest moment in SpongeBob gaming history. I, I don't know how this will ever be topped in terms of, like, just the funniest moments ever. But earlier in the game of this chapter, Mr. Krabs just makes makes his way over to the Bargain Mart to, to work there. 
I, it's not really explained why he gets a job at the Bargain Mart, but then when SpongeBob shows up, you see a fish leaving the Bargain Mart wearing Mr. Krabs's clothes. And it's not just the same, you know, color clothes and they're fitted to him. Like, no, it's this fish like swimming inside of Mr. Krabs' clothes. SpongeBob asks him, hey, where'd you get those clothes? And he said, Mr. Krabs is inside selling everything super cheap and he practically gave these away. When you go inside to the bargain mart and go over to the other side of the store, you are then greeted with a completely naked Mr. Krabs uh, standing right behind some strategically placed cans and ever so often will just do a little jig and say money to himself. And this is also one of the very few games, one of the handful amount of games that actually feature Clancy Brown voicing Mr. Krabs instead of the usual Joe White, who is the voice of Mermaid Man and Mr. Krabs in a lot of these SpongeBob video games, um, including a AWE's first Operation Krabby Patty. They had Joe White voicing Mr. Krabs in that. But for Employee of the Month, they were able to get Clancy Brown to come and voice his character. And let me tell you, that one change adds a world of difference to making this world feel real. Every single character sounds like themselves, especially Mr. Krabs. But the fact that you come across this moment of Mr. Krabs just standing in the middle of the bargain mart naked, dancing and saying money to himself, it, it's just jaw-droppingly hilarious. I had to stop the game from laughing so hard, and I had no problem just standing there for an extra minute or two just to listen to Clancy Brown have the time of his life. They knew it was a rare occasion to get him to voice Mr. Krabs for a SpongeBob video game, and they used their time wisely, and, and I applaud them for it. I, I can't believe they were able to get this done. Um, after your excursion through Chapter 1, at the end of the chapter, SpongeBob and Patrick make their way onto the bus the bus that'll take them over to Neptune's Pacific Paradise. Unfortunately, the bus driver warns them of some impending weather that's making its way up to Bikini Bottom, but SpongeBob and Patrick pressure the bus driver to make forward with the plans. Unfortunately, the bus gets knocked off course from the weather, taking the bus all the way straight to Rock Bottom. Chapter 2 is called Hitting Rock Bottom, and it is, of course, about SpongeBob and Patrick trying to make their way outside of Rock Bottom, which of course features a ton of references to the episode at hand. Um, and the locations through Rock Bottom you can make your way to include the Rock Bottom bus station, uh, the TV station, WSEA-TV, the Rusty Anchor, and Marlin's Cave, a character, um, Marlin the Wizard, which if you are familiar with your oceanography, uh, Marlin is a kind of fish that you would find, so Marlin... Marlin the Wizard was a nice little sea gag here. Um, the one thing I do like about this game was there was at least one or two moments where SpongeBob gave the player a bit of sea trivia. Um, I, there was some trivia over coral, and there, there, I forgot there was another part where I feel like I learned something. And I, I like those moments because it just harkens back all the way to Steven Hillenburg's original start when you can trace back SpongeBob all the way to the Intertidal Zone, a comic book in which... He was making for an aquarium to teach kids about the creatures you would find in a tide pool. That comic featured a character named Bob the Sponge, which is nothing like SpongeBob, but you can trace all the way back to a time when Steven was was teaching others about the ocean. So I like how we have a SpongeBob game here who, just even for one or two pieces of trivia, still have that a part of it. I, I absolutely um, love it. After the characters make their way, 
through rock bottom. They find themselves back to square one in Chapter 3, where they are trying to uh, get gas into Sandy's rocket. Another reference there. And has you going through locations such as the diner, jellyfish fields. We finally make our way over to Conch Street, which you can enter Squidward's Dream. We also have Sardines Sundries, which is a little shop that you end up finding the the dream glasses in that help you enter Squidward's Dream, which, by the way, another section of this game that is well worth looking into, Squidward's Dream. It's a quick section, but it's it's a memorable one. It's a funny one. Um, before making your way over to Sandy's Tree Dome at the end of the level. Chapter 4, Bottoms Up, has the rocket run out of oxygen, makes, makes its way over to the area of Bottoms Up, in which SpongeBob has to then fill those oxygen tanks over at an area called Oxygen Springs. And SpongeBob is unable to get into Oxygen Springs without having a fancy jacket, so SpongeBob makes his way over to Waverly Hills, a fancy part of, uh, of the undersea floor that we, we get to look into before one of the last locations that we end up with in the game, Sublime Seafoods. Um, by the end, you eventually make your way over to Neptune's Pacific Paradise, in which SpongeBob finds out that unfortunately the park is closed due to it being saved for a certain special somebody called Springboob Squirepins, a, uh, a reference from the episode Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy 2. There are a lot of references to the show. I, I don't want to list them all here because it's such a small, easy experience that for any SpongeBob fan, it, it should be um, not only easy to get this game running on your modern computer, but to just play through it. Uh, find all of the references that you can in this game. There are a good handful of them, and it's those little moments that, you know, like I said, had make up for the fact that there aren't, you know, many clickable objects in the backgrounds because instead of a clickable object you might get a full-fledged reference to a spongebob episode and you know hey we're spongebob fans we're playing a spongebob game that's what we're here for and by the end the characters make their way to the park we get that little gag but then of course no it's meant for spongebob and we get this little ending cutscene of a bunch of the uh 3d modeled characters from the game all enjoying their uh, their amusement park day over at neptune's pacific paradise uh, one little note here, if you pay attention closely to the ending cutscene, you can actually hear some of Joe White's Mr. Krabs' some of his dialogue still left in uh, of that ending cutscene. Even though I don't even think you see Mr. Krabs, you could just hear it among the rest of the other characters talking. Um, from beginning to end, I gotta say, I had a smile on my face for Employee of the Month. It's not the greatest point-and-click adventure game in the world, but hey, for a SpongeBob SquarePants-themed point-and-click adventure, I had a blast with this game. I don't really have a rating system for this show, uh, but honestly, out of five, I'd have to give this a three or four out of five. I, it, it did its job. I had a fun time with it. It's very easy, and it's hard to make that a complaint when this is meant for kids, and for this time in 2002, this might be a lot of kids' very first point-and-click adventure game. So for you to be able to, to dip your toes into this genre with a game like this, I, I think that's fantastic because then it could lead to other point-and-click adventure games that you can find down the road, including ones that might test your brain a little bit and introduce more complex puzzles. Uh, I enjoy this game a ton. 
And I really think it's worth your time uh, finding a copy of this online and playing it for yourself. I imagine on eBay it's it's a fairly cheap PC game, and if you don't have a CD-ROM drive in your computer, finding an ISO online will, will be the next best thing. That, or watch any of the long plays on YouTube. I think it's impossible to play this game and not, you know, overturn every stone, so I think even watching any long play is going to give you most of the experience of Employee of the Month. Thank you for joining me on this episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. Um, I cannot wait to dive back into some of these video games. I actually played through Revenge of the Flying Dutchman when it first came out, and I remember enjoying the game. I don't remember it being as bad as everybody says it is. I just think that when your follow-up is one of the greatest licensed platforming games of all time, it kind of makes you look a little bad in comparison, but we will we will see soon enough. You can reach Captain Eric at spongepodpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at I'm Ready Podcast and on Instagram at SpongeBob Podcast. Please check out my other podcast, This Week in Nickelodeon History, dropping every Sunday on every conceivable podcasting platform. And don't forget to subscribe to the Captain Eric YouTube channel, where you can also hit that bell for notifications to know whenever the captain puts something out. You can also purchase new and updated merch at the Redbubble link, either in the podcast description or in the links from any of my socials. Anything that comes in from my projects go directly back into my projects, and it's always appreciated. As always, everyone, please stay safe, be kind to one another, thank you for joining the Ready Crew, and come aboard next week to I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. Ah!